Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Melissa Burke, a Brooklyn-based tech worker and part of the program committee for New York's Asian American International Film Festival. And now, here's our first letter. Would you read our next letter? Certainly. Uh, the subject is, how do I decline being a bridesmaid in a wedding I agreed to be in pre-pandemic? Dear Prudence, I live in a state that has been playing it relatively safe when it comes to COVID-19, and we've managed to keep our infections and deaths both low, but now they're rolling back all of our restrictions, and my friends expect to still have their summer weddings as planned originally. I've been blunt with a couple of people that I will not be attending any events if they can even occur in another one to two months for my own health and the health of others. However, I agreed to be in a wedding this August, pre-pandemic, and the bride-to-be is still pushing forward so long as restrictions allow for her gatherings. I don't want to come off as a bad friend and a bad bridesmaid, but I also don't want to risk getting or spreading COVID-19. How do I tell her that I'd rather play it safe? This is important to her, and I want to be supportive of her big day, but I don't think I can or should do it in person given the current state of the world. I support you in declining. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say this one feels pretty straightforward to me. And you want to tell her as soon as possible. So like whatever arrangements she needs to make can be made. But also I'm assuming that you're close enough to each other that you were asked to be a bridesmaid. This could should be the sort of person that you feel comfortable and just being upfront, being like, look, I don't feel comfortable with this. I don't want to possibly infect others or be infected. And I... I need to bow out. I'm very sorry. You know, is there something I can do on the other side? Can I like make some sort of arrangements that will help you switch things that need might need to happen for your wedding? Will you end up having a stoop wedding instead of it being at a hall? Do you need to uh, get things together for like a zoom a wedding ceremony or anything like that? If you could like, if you want to switch how you were helping out, that would be just as helpful, but you need to tell her as soon as possible. Yeah. And you know, these are friends who are close enough that they asked you to be a bridesmaid. So it's not like just a work acquaintance where you're worried about offending someone. And, you know, to that end, I would encourage you if, if you're this concerned about your own health, I, I think it would also maybe be an opportunity to at least say, I, I hope you will reconsider having a gathering this big because a lot of, you know, and, and maybe have like a little bit prepared about like, the ways in which a lot of state guidelines have uh, been pressured to reopen like so that people can't get unemployment um, or to protect business interests rather than because that's what like health experts have recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be helpful because a lot of people might just hear like, well, the state says it's safe. That's a big authority. They wouldn't want us doing things that weren't safe for us. So it might be helpful to have a little talking point ready in your own particular like location so that you can kind of say like, here's why I think the state's being premature. And the worst thing that I could think of is is somebody getting sick or many people getting sick as a result of what should just be a wonderful thing. You can also, I think, take a moment to express, you realize that it's difficult, it's frustrating, it's probably expensive and and that, you know, 
something that makes it clear both. I hope you'll reconsider it. And here's why. But that also stresses. I'm not saying you're like a cavalier jerk who doesn't care about public health and, you know, needs to throw yourself into the sea. You're not being cavalier at all. You're clearly thinking about the community and people beyond yourself and just being hesitant to attend the wedding in the first place. Oh, yeah. Sorry. To be clear, I mean, I don't, I don't want the letter. Uh, oh, if the definitely. letter writer is worried that saying that would make the bride think that they thought that she was being cavalier, it's it's more of like a sort of massaging way of saying, like, I'm not accusing you of being cavalier, but I do hope you'll reconsider because I think these things are really important. Because that's, I think, kind of the difficult line to walk when it comes to talking about friends, especially about restrictions in a pandemic is it's people can often quickly get defensive, I think, of like, oh, are you saying that I don't care? Or are you saying that I um, am being thoughtless? And then the conversation kind of gets misdirected from the original point, which is how do we seriously weigh these various concerns and, and health implications into you're saying I'm a thoughtless person? That's true. Um, but yeah, I, I just think you should do it. I think you should say it. I don't think you should try to push it off to the last minute in the hopes that the state will change its mind. Um, I think you should assume that this is a conversation you're going to have to have with your friends. And while you can be kind and non-judgmental in your language, I don't think that means you should back down and saying like, I don't think it's safe yet, um, for a gathering of this size. And I hope you'll reconsider. And, um, Hopefully your friend can hear it. Maybe she'll be defensive at first. Definitely have the conversation as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just how you tell her. Like you don't massage it any further than that. You just tell her. Um, and I hope that she will listen. This next one, I'm, I've been fascinated by this one. I've been meditating on this one for a little while. <laughs> it's such a big question. and it It's also, interesting. Yeah. It also feels kind of loaded, you know, like I, I'm curious to see what kind of your thoughts were on where some of these people are coming from and whether you felt like this was something that the letter writer maybe needs a lot of help with versus something that the letter writer can kind of encourage other people to rethink. I'm curious to get your thoughts. Sure. But I think it's my turn to read the letter. Is that right? It is. Fantastic. Then I will read it and then you will tell me your thoughts and then I'll tell you my thoughts and we'll just keep going. <laughs> Subject here is, how do I make someone feel needed? Dear Prudence, I'm an unmarried woman in my mid-30s. I've always been independent and it seems to be both a strength and a weakness. I'll ask for help if I need it, but for the most part, I'd rather do things myself, and I pride myself in that. This has been an issue in my relationships, especially my current one. My boyfriend frequently tells me he doesn't feel, quote, needed by me, and thinks I could just up and leave without a second glance. I do tend to move states often, maybe every five to seven years. I told him I don't know how to make him feel needed. I'm with him because I enjoy being with him, and I want to be, not because I need him. I know he isn't looking for dependency, but I honestly don't know how to make a person feel needed. In the past, he's gotten upset, more sad, not mad, when I've had a flat tire and didn't call him, or fell down the stairs and needed to go get x-rays and didn't call him to take me. I did call him when I was at the hospital to let him know what was going on. But I didn't need him to come out to change my tire. Someone stopped and helped me. And besides, I know how to change my own. And with the fall, I knew he was watching his kid play soccer and was able to get myself to the hospital easily. It didn't make sense to call him. Sometimes I'll ask him to come help out with yard work or things around the house, but then I feel like I'm using him for manual labor. My married friends say it's nice to feel needed sometimes, and agree that they often feel like I don't need them and could disappear at any time. I don't know how to remedy this. What does feeling needed look like? What does it entail? How do I make people in my life feel needed? 
I thought just by loving them and wanting to be around them was enough and kind of assumed that people were emotionally gaslighting me when they got sad that they didn't feel needed. But now I'm thinking there's more to it and I somehow need to alter my habits. What say you? Yeah, I found this one to be interesting because I fall on the side of the letter writer. I'm like hyper independent and don't ask for help. Uh, But what I liked about this letter is that her boyfriend is straight out saying exactly what he wants, which is a gift. (laughs) I would love for more people (laughs) to say exactly what they want so I can give it to them. It's uh, fantastic. Oh, I ask all the time and they still don't do it. So it sounds more about on his part, communication. It's not necessarily that he needed to rush out and fix the flat tire. Like you had that handled, but while triple a or whoever changed your tire is doing it, I think the boyfriend wanted you to reach out and be like, Oh, this sucky thing happened to me. Uh, it's being handled, but it'd be great if you could like keep me company on the phone while I deal with it. Or, uh, or even when you fell down the stairs and had to get x-rays, like, I'm going to call an ambulance before I call my best friend to come get me. Um, but, my, you know, pe- there are people who would love for you to text them while you're sitting there waiting for your x-rays to happen. It's more about uh, he wants to feel present in your life. And by doing these things, not contacting him, not letting him know what's going on, you're like creating this sort of distancing. Um, and that distancing is what doesn't make him feel needed. I mean, maybe he does want to help you with the yard work, which is great because who wants to do yard work? I used to date a guy who I had guinea pigs and he would love to come over and change my guinea pig litter. And I think that's fucking weird. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But I loved it because who wants to change litter? The litter's getting changed. Like he can play with the guinea pigs. I I don't have to deal with it. And we're talking to each other. And if that like helps our relationship, great. So like. Have you actually sat down with your boyfriend and talked through this also? You you say he gets upset and it's a sadness and that he doesn't feel needed, but has he communicated beyond that? Because it sounds like feeling mm-hmm. needed is different for you. Feeling needed for you is a very concrete thing and feeling needed for him is uh, more about a presence. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm with you there. And I think there's, yeah, there's just a real balance to be struck, especially with the boyfriend. I don't think you need to feel like you're doing love wrong. Frankly, when it comes to your general principle of I'm with you because I like being with you and it makes me happy. That's great. I I don't think you need to walk that back. I don't think you need to apologize for that. I don't need to think that you're doing love wrong. I think that's a statement you can really take pride in. I think that's really good. Um, and, and as you say, it doesn't sound like he's asking for dependency. It doesn't sound like he's saying what I really need is for you to need me all the time. And when you're independent, um, you know, that threatens me and, you know, I'm threatened by a woman's independence and just get rid of it. Like if if I were getting waves of that from this letter, I would be concerned, but I, I think maybe what he wants just is a little bit more insight into sometimes like your process. So, you know, if you were to sit him down and say like, if I'm in an accident or I have a flat tire, my first move is generally going to be to try to handle it myself. That's kind of how I am. That's that's something that I take pride in. That's not going to change. But I want to like hear from you like, are you not hearing from me often enough? Would you rather I update you? Would you want me to just kind of ask you for emotional support um, as I was waiting for a doctor or waiting for um, a tow truck or something? And then if you let it writer feel like, yeah, I could do that relatively easily, 
that you you have found a, a reasonable compromise. If he says, you know, no, if you fall, I don't care what I'm doing. I want to be the one who takes you. And you say, I would rather have the person who takes me be the person who's able to do it the most quickly and easily. <laughs> you know, you can have a conversation there and that's okay. But but there's room for compromise on a lot of the little things. But I would say on the essential fact of like, I'm with you because I love you and I want to be with you. That's not a sign that you need to be worried. I'll abandon you. You can take my commitment and my faithfulness uh, as part of my word because you trust me, um, not because it's something that you think I have to have. That I think is really worth sticking to your guns on. The whole thing about like, you know, you're in your mid thirties, you've moved, you know, every five to seven years. That's what, like three moves since college. That's not that many. I've done that and I would never characterize myself as that. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's like, oh, no, you're too independent. You're you're Gary Cooper at the end of High Noon. You're always rolling out of town. You're Shane at the end of Shane. <laughs> I, I, I think that's fine. I think the last thing that I was sort of interested in was, you know, that line about the end of, I assumed people were emotionally gaslighting me when they got sad when they didn't feel needed. I, I would encourage you to maybe find another word here. Um, yeah, that's not gaslighting. Yeah, I, I think it's genuinely possible for lots of different people to have different priorities when it comes to what being needed looks like. And if they disagree with you, it's not necessarily because they want to convince you that you are insane and can't be relied upon. It's because they disagree with you and you're free to disagree with them right back. But I, I think it's important not to mistake that for a campaign of trying to undermine you such that you no longer believe in your own sanity. Those are two pretty different things. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really sounds like they just experience the world differently than you do. I am definitely somebody who loves disappearing. Um, but at the flip side of that is if you need something, I always, I'm there immediately. How are you with your relationships? Like, how are you with checking in with people? It's interesting that so many different people within your life, like, feel that you could potentially abandon them. Like, one or two, but is it everyone? I think it speaks to how you interact with your loved ones. And it's important that everybody's needs are being met. Yeah, yeah. The, the thought that I had had there, I was curious about what you might have, have had to say to that. It sounds like you're, the, the letter writer's married friends are the ones who have said they feel like I could disappear at any time. So it, it sounds like it's a particular group of people. It's not everyone that they know, but it's a particular group of people who are like, yep, we're going all in on marriage. That's our thing. I did want to just throw this out there. Two things I think can be true at the same time. One can absolutely be, it sounds like, especially in moments of crisis or uncertainty or, or emotional need, you kind of go inward. You turn to your own internal resources. You try to have your first reaction processed internally. Then maybe later you take it to other people. And it may be that sometimes that makes people feel a little bit shut out. Um, and like they don't hear about anything when you're currently dealing with a problem. They only hear about it after you've solved it. Which, again, I don't think you should say that's awful. I'm being so, you know, sneaky or, or withholding. You can just maybe think about, are there ways in which I might be willing to let somebody I really trust into those more vulnerable moments when I'm still making up my mind? How could I do that, you know, through baby steps? You don't have to, like, tomorrow, you know, bring somebody into a big crisis. But just think about, are there opportunities for that? And then on the other hand, I think something else that can be true is that sometimes, um, especially when the person in question is an independent woman, other people can sometimes bring their own issues and baggage to that question that doesn't necessarily have as much to do with you as you might think at first that can have a little bit to do with like, well, if you're not in need and if you're not really vulnerable and if I don't really know 
what's going on in like your deepest and most intimate heart all the time. I don't know that I can trust you. I worry you might abandon me. And in those moments, I get a little bit more wary. And in those moments, I would say, I think they can trust you not to disappear because you are a loving and a trustworthy person who, you know, shows your dependability, right? I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would just say that that I think is worth being a little bit skeptical. If somebody says, I feel sometimes shut out and I wish I knew more about what was going on with you, I, I would listen to that if they say, you know, because you don't have me take you to the hospital, I feel like you might abandon me. I, I would maybe push back against that idea and say, that's not what our friendship is based on. I love you. I'm with you because you're a part of my life and I care about you. Um, if I chose to be independent sometimes and not to share all of my needs with you, that is not a sign that you can't trust me. So I'm like 50-50 down the middle, possible rooms for compromise. Also, there may just be ways in which people resent your independence and want you to compromise it. And um, you get to kind of reflect carefully and thoughtfully. And maybe maybe this will be something you can ask some of your single friends, right? This might be an opportunity to rope them into a conversation and and not just think of your married friends as the people who know how to love and be needed because they are married, um, but simply one sample group. Yeah, everyone, regardless of their marital status, needs love, can love, should love. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. 